Our scripture lesson for this morning is found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. I'll be reading verses 1 through 8 and invite you to follow along in your Bibles and also on the words up ahead on the screen. Hear God's word to us this morning. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll away, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white, in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go. Tell his disciples and Peter... He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Many Christians view the resurrection as the ultimate ending of our faith. Today, I would like to suggest that the resurrection is not the ultimate ending, but rather, it's just the beginning. Would you pray with me? May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer, and God's people said, Amen. The story is told about a woman named Carol, who's a very fine musician, and also served as the organist at her church. One Easter, she did something that no organist would ever want to do. Dennis, I know we're... There he is. I know... I couldn't see because of the music stand there, Dennis. Um, I know Dennis would appreciate this. But she overslept on Easter morning. And she missed the sunrise service. The minister and the church were very forgiving, and they kind of joked about it. They teased her a little bit. All done in loving and love and fun. However, the next Easter, her phone rang at 5 o'clock in the morning. Jolted away by the loud ring, she answered it, and on the other end of the phone was her pastor. Good morning, Carol. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. I hope you have too. (laughs) I am very glad that none of you overslept this morning to celebrate so that you could be with us to celebrate Easter. Today is the most celebrated and important day of the Christian year. The day that the followers of Jesus went to his tomb early in the morning and found it empty for he had risen from the dead. Even though he had told them that that would happen told his disciples that that would happen. These women were in shock. They were grieving. And the only thing that they could think about was that they needed to get to the tomb to give him 
a proper burial. We can only imagine the overwhelming thoughts in their minds as they made their way to the tomb that morning. It was still dark when they left. They arrived around, they arrived around sunrise. They were just thinking about how there would be no more parables for them to try to figure out. No more miracles that they could witness. They wouldn't see his smile anymore or hear his voice. Never again would they sit at his feet and learn from him. No more feast days to celebrate. That was it. Now it was time for them to pay their final respects and continue the burial process. As we join them that morning, a little context will be helpful to us. We want to remember that Mark's gospel is not the only account of the resurrection in the Bible, but rather all four gospels tell this story. Today we're focusing on Mark, but it would be helpful for you in your own time to read all four of the gospel accounts to have all of the detail the scriptures provide. It's sort of like the news. There might be one event in the news, but a number of media outlets will all report on it, and they each have their own perspective, sharing some facts that others may not. Today, we're in Mark. We look at his version of the first Easter. Most scholars agree that Mark's gospel was the first written gospel. It begins not with birth narratives like Luke and Matthew, but rather with the public ministry of Jesus and moves at a quick pace. And in chapter 8, there is a transition and he starts teaching his disciples very deliberately that he would suffer, that he would die, and that he would rise again. Verses 31 and 32 of chapter 8. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. So this is the message that Jesus is teaching, and we say that in the second half of the gospel. As we get to the Holy Week, the week preceding Easter, we celebrated that here in our church this past week. We, were, we read that he was betrayed, that everyone around him fled, that he was charged as being blasphemous, that he was denied, that he was handed over, that he was lifted up on a cruel Roman cross, that he was mocked, that he was crucified, and that he died a slow prisoner's death. And at the ninth hour, 3 p.m., he breathed his last. The curtain in the temple was torn into two pieces from top to bottom. And there were some women watching at a distance who saw all of this. Mark writes, among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger and of Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs, and many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. So Jesus died at 3 o'clock. That would be considered the first day. The second day was the Sabbath day, which would begin just three hours later at 6 p.m., and it would be necessary for Jesus to be buried between three before sun, the sundown, because they could not do anything related to burial over the Sabbath. And none of his followers would have wanted Jesus to remain on that awful cross over the course of those next hours. 
So a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the Sanhedrin, the ruling council of the Jews, saw to it that Jesus received a proper burial. Mark writes, so Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body and wrapped it in linen and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone to the entrance of the tomb. Somehow he was able to negotiate with Pontius Pilate to get Jesus' body from the cross. John's Gospel tells us that Nicodemus was also there helping to prepare Jesus' body. And I imagine the two of them uh, rolled the stone in front of the tomb. The tomb that had never been used. A tomb that Joseph of Arimathea had purchased on his own. Tombs such as this were carved out of rock. And there were several compartments in the tomb. When you hear the scriptures tell us that there was an angel on the right side, that would imply that there was another space there, perhaps for other family members to be used for, uh, in the future, after they had died. Joseph had to hurry, racing against the clock, and they were able to secure the tomb before Sabbath. They finished their work, rolled the stone in place. The stone would have fit in a small track about the width of the stone. Gravity would have helped it roll down into its place, but it would be very difficult for those women to pull it back along the track and open the tomb. They would have needed help. They left early that morning. One scholar says they left as early the next morning as they possibly could, arriving at sunrise or just after, And as they made their way, they wondered who would help them, who would roll away the stone. They had seen it having been put in place. They knew they couldn't do it themselves. It would take several strong men to assist them to remove it so that they could go in. You can imagine the emotions of their grief. They they thought of the worst, maybe a lot like me, maybe a lot like you, after a death has occurred. We're sad. Grieving, faces downcast. Resurrection didn't even cross their minds. They anticipated they would need to find Joseph and Nicodemus or others. But when they arrived at the tomb, they looked up and their eyes were filled with amazement. The stone had been rolled away. I love this picture of the three women arriving at the tomb, painted by an African-American artist who was born just before the Civil War started named Henry Asawa Tanner. He writes, my effort has been not to only put the biblical incident into the original setting, but at the same time to give it the human touch to try to convey to the public the reverence and elevation these subjects impart to me. The women came to the tomb anticipating death. And they were surprised that the tomb was empty when they got inside and heard the angel speak to them. And the angel said five things. First, the angel said, don't be alarmed. The Greek word for we translate alarmed implies to be terrified or astounded or struck with terror. Don't be alarmed. Angels frequently spoke to people that way. Do not be afraid. Jesus often spoke to his disciples that way. Do not be afraid. Fear not. That was the first message to those women. And then the the angel affirms that they were in the right place. The angel said, you are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. 
The angel encourages them that they were not in the wrong grave. And then gives them the news he has been raised, confirming the message of Jesus all along. He's risen. He is not here. Sometime before dawn on Sunday morning, God had acted. The lifeless body of Jesus became warm again. Life and breath came into him. As Peter said in his Pentecost sermon, this Jesus God lifted up, and of that we are all witnesses. Sadly, in many churches in our land today, resurrection is an afterthought. Dr. Cecil Sherman said, Sad to say that you can go to most churches for months and never hear a word about resurrection. Easter is the exception, and you also hear it at many funerals of Christians. But most of our church talk, he writes, is about personal problems, social issues, or life in the congregation. But the early church, he says, triumphed at the resurrection, and I believe so should we. With all the troubles that we see around us, it's common for us Christians to be downtrodden and grief-stricken. It's common for us to be angry and, and at the same time sad and compassionate on the things that we see around us. Whether it's Stoneman Douglas, whether it's Sacramento, whether it's Venezuela, whether it's the east side of Richmond, or whether it's the Jeff Davis corridor in our own county, we see so much hurt and it's easier for us to be angry and upset and uh, forget about resurrection. But we all, I believe, need to focus on the new beginnings and the new life and the hope that is afforded through the Christian faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I believe that we all need to hear from this angel again. He is risen, just as he said. He is not here. That's the fourth thing. As if to convince them, the angel perhaps invites them to look around to see for themselves. John's gospel tells us that there were linens and burial cloths, but Mark's gospel records nothing else than this angel over on the other side, allowing them to look around. It's just like the purposeful simplicity of the gospel of Mark to confirm that Jesus had risen. And then the angel says, look, there's the place they laid him, even pointing out the specific place where Jesus' body had been placed. All this leads up to what appears to be an abrupt and unfinished ending in the Gospel of Mark. The angel simply tells the women to go and give a message to the other disciples and Peter. Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. This recalls what Jesus had said in chapter 14, verse 28, recorded, But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Then the women, still trembling and overwhelmed, went out quickly and fled the tomb. Mark says they were quiet, that they didn't speak to anyone. We know when they arrived that they did. But Mark just ends his gospel right here. And some of us struggle with that. There's no resurrection appearance, no joyful realization that he was alive, no hearing his voice as Mary did in the garden, no eating a meal with him, no touching his hands or his side, thinking about Thomas, no nail marks on his hands, no miraculous catch of fish, none of this, no barbecue on the beach or anything else. Mark just ends his gospel account of the resurrection right here. No fanfare. Most of your Bibles will have a note after verse 8 that says that uh, most manuscripts do not contain verses 9 through 20. Over the centuries, we believe that scribes added some additional content because it was felt that the original ending of Mark, 
Mark's gospel had been lost or destroyed over time. Perhaps the original ending to Mark's gospel was lost or destroyed. We don't know. What we do know is that it ends with three ordinary women who followed Jesus and spread the message about what they had experienced, and that made all the difference. But maybe, maybe Mark knew that no story about death and resurrection could have a tidy ending bound up in ribbons and bows, so he left it like this, perhaps. Or maybe he was trying to make the point that the story just wasn't over yet, and I like that. Or maybe he leaves the ending open so that you and I can pick up and continue to go and tell the story. The story of what God is doing in and through Jesus is not over at the empty tomb. Some want to just uh, rationalize it and consider it as an event that concludes all of our faith. And we worship together and we celebrate Easter and then we go out to eat on Easter Sunday and go home. By the way, if you do go out to eat, tip really well today because it's a busy day in restaurants like Mother's Day. And show your appreciation to the servers. They'll know you're the Easter crowd. Do that. Easter's more than all of that. I believe Easter, I believe resurrection is just the beginning. Resurrection isn't a conclusion Resurrection is an invitation. And Jesus' triumph over death, sin, and hate isn't what Mark's gospel is all about. Rather, Mark's gospel is all about setting up us, us up, to live resurrection lives and to continue to tell the story of God's redemption to the world. Resurrection is not a conclusion, it's an invitation. Resurrection is not a conclusion, it's an invitation to a new beginning. What new beginning are you looking for today? What are your hopes and dreams? What changes do you need to make on this Easter Sunday? What relationships need to be reconciled? What do you need to do to get your faith right with God? And to be right with others? Easter affords us new beginnings. It's an invitation to a way of life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though they die, shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. That is the message that we also receive in the bread and in the cup. Jesus met with his disciples the night that he was betrayed and took bread and blessed it and broke it and said, this is my body given for you. As often as you meet together, take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. And Jesus also took the wine and he blessed it and poured it out saying, this is my blood which is shed for you for the remission of your sins and the sins of many. This is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you meet together, take, drink, this do in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the coming of the Son of Man. Shall we pray? On this Easter Sunday, it is wonderful that we can pause 
and remember you in the way that you have so remembered us, that you, God, remembered each of our names on the cross. And this bread and this cup remind us of that. As we enter into this time of Holy Communion, Lord, clear our minds. Help us to put away the distractions and the clamoring in our minds, our worries and anxiety. Help us simply to release those to you. If we think of um, turning our palms upward and just letting go those distractions and hindrances. Speak to our hearts in these moments as we worship you around the table. Through Christ we pray. Amen.